allowing us to serve alongside uh, what God is doing here at Roots. So Alice and I are deeply appreciative of how you've, you've received us and how you've uh, kind of welcomed us along your side. So we're, we're honored, we're excited to journey along. Uh, again, my name is Durr, and I, I serve as one of the um, members of the teaching team here at Roots. It's going to be with you all. We weren't here last week. We heard you guys went uh, camping, and that was really cool. We were somewhere else. Glad to be back and to see you all. Um, let me start this morning by sharing about a time in my life where um, I was journeying with my mentor. Um, I've been walking with, with my friend, my mentor friend, for about a year or so. And I was feeling um, convicted to share some of my, my deeper burdens and my struggles with my mentor friend. I remember feeling this anxiety and the, just feeling torn. Should I do it? Should I not do it? Um, what is he going to think if I share some of these burdens and pains with him? And uh, to be honest, I just wanted to ignore this this weight, this conviction. I just wanted to move on with my day. I'm sure many of you can probably relate to that feeling as well. And I remember uh, the moment of talking to my mentor on the phone, and I started to talk, and, and my voice was hesitating, and I was pausing, really trying to discern how much to share with my mentor. And then he started to share some things back to me uh, about his own burdens and about his own areas of struggle. And in my moment of uh, fragility and weakness and vulnerability, uh, by him doing that and just sitting with me in that pain really spoke life back into me again. It's kind of like caring for a partially dying plant. Christian mentoring relationships can have this reviving effect in us, both as the mentor and, and the mentee. And it can leave a mark on us in our journeys together. It was in that moment that when I realized uh, for the first time that journeying with Jesus, following Jesus with other people was so much better than doing it alone. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So we've been in this sermon series then called uh, DTR, Exploring Relationship Dynamics. And today we're going to be looking at the mentoring relationship between Paul and Timothy as one model for us of Christian mentorship. So I invite you, if you have your Bible with you or your, your Bible app, to turn with me to 2 Timothy. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. The scripture will also be displayed on the screens behind me. You can follow along that way as well. So this is uh, the second letter to Timothy chapter 1, verses one through seven. It reads, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, 
a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Today, when we write our letters, or rather our emails, we start with the, the name of the, the recipient, the person we're writing to, at the top of the letter. And then we write the letter, and then at the bottom, we sign our name to show who it's from, sincerely, so-and-so. That wasn't how the first century Romans wrote their letters. They started with their name at the top to show who the letter was being written from. Paul writes his name at the top. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, showing who the author of this letter is. He makes mention of his status here as apostle of Christ Jesus. Some of us might be wondering, if this letter was addressed to Paul's close friend and, and mentee, Timothy, why does Paul feel the need to include the fact that he was an apostle of Christ Jesus? Shouldn't Timothy already have known Paul's status as an apostle? Well, although Paul often wrote letters addressed specifically to individuals and to specific churches, Paul's letters were often circulated around different churches too. So this appeal to apostleship was a way for Paul to legitimize his authority in Jesus as a true apostle. And each time Paul's letters were read from church to church, it was like Paul was there in person, speaking to the churches. And the letter is addressed to Timothy. Paul calls him his beloved child. Now this deep bond of their friendship, it comes to light here in verse 3, where Paul writes, I am grateful to God when I remember you constantly, constantly in my prayers, night and day. Have you ever had a mentor or mentee friend who was just on your mind 24-7, night and day, you couldn't shake off this person for whatever reason, God was placing this person on your heart. This was a special relationship, a special season for Paul and for Timothy. This is what makes their relationship so unique that God was going to use this so effectively for God's purposes. We're going to see that throughout the rest of this message. In verse 4, Paul writes, Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Paul wants to see Timothy in person. Isn't that one of the reasons we write letters in the first place? Is because someone is in a different location and we can't be with them, although we wish we could. Back in the good old days, you know, we would write handwritten letters, probably to a friend or to a cousin who we were excited to see for the summer, but we couldn't be with them in person. That's, that's what was happening here. Paul was writing to Timothy. He'd rather be with him in person, but he couldn't. Reason being, Paul was actually in prison when he wrote this letter. He was in jail. This was like Paul's one phone call for help. And instead of asking for help, he reaches out to offer help to Timothy. What a model of 
self-giving, self-emptying Christian mentorship that Paul offers for us to imitate that towards Timothy. We don't know what Timothy's tears were from. We wonder what may have caused Timothy's pain. Why does Paul long to go and comfort him? We don't know the source of his pain. What we do know by evidence of the letter is that Paul was aware of Timothy's pain. Paul knew his mentee's pain and that he wanted to comfort Timothy in person. And when that happened, when he could finally be with Timothy, then Paul would be filled with joy, he writes. And so Christian mentorship knows and is familiar with the other person's pain. Not only that, but we find joy in comforting them in their pain. See, this is another example Paul sets for us. He's not just wanting to be with people in their fun and their celebratory moments. High school graduation. Just got a new job party. You know, bachelor party before the wedding. It's not just those moments. Paul wants to be with his mentee in his moment of pain. Christian mentorship finds joy in comforting them while they are in pain. This is kind of a counterintuitive concept for a lot of us. Going back to my own journey and thinking about and, and, and reliving some of my, the different kinds of pains that, that I've experienced, that many of us have experienced. Uh, pain from my family upbringing, the, just the pain and the, and the challenges in marriage and being a new family and having kids, pain in my own walk with God. Right, I've been really thankful that I've had mentor friends who I could reach out to and who can sit with me in that pain, who can process that pain with me, who can say, where you've been, Dur, I've been there too. And there is a way in which God is using this pain to refine you for his purposes and speaking life into me. Something as simple as that is honestly is what keeps me going personally. Apart from those mentoring relationships, it's scary for me to think about what may have become of me or become of my faith. And I think my world would be seriously rocked and shaken in a different way if not for mentor friends who could be present with me. Paul goes on in verse 5 to, to point out uh, Timothy's sincere faith. He's highlighting Timothy's faith, which Paul gives credit that this faith is actually from his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. This is a transgenerational faith that Paul is acknowledging, passed down from generation to generation. And now to Timothy. We actually know from Acts 16.1 that Timothy's mother Eunice was Jewish. It says it plain and clear in Acts 16.1, his mother was Jewish, his father was Greek. I think it's interesting here that Timothy, who is this bi-ethnic person, Jewish and Greek, is being mentored by Paul, who is this bicultural person, who is ethnically Jewish, but a citizen of the Roman Empire. Paul knows how to navigate in and out of different cultural waters and cultural systems. And so it kind of makes sense 
that Paul, this bicultural person, would have such a deep bond with Timothy, this bi-ethnic person. But Paul is highlighting that through Timothy's Jewish heritage from his mother's side, God has already been at work in shaping Timothy's faith up to the current moment. It's been through his mother's side. Now, my New Testament professor, Dr. Mary and Mai Thompson, used to ask us this question rhetorically in class. She, she would ask, if God is male and father, then is it possible for, for me, for her, a mother, to image God to her children? Now we know rhetorical questions are not really looking for, for answers, but if they were, the clear answer from this passage is that yes, women not only image God to their children, but women are the champions of faith who transmit this faith down from generation to their kids and to their kids' kids. And that's what we see here with Timothy. He's the recipient. Timothy is the recipient of his grandma's faith and his mother's faith. And Paul recognizes this. So wise Christian mentors recognize how God has already been at work in a person's life through their family history, through their family lineage, through the people who God has already brought in that person's life long before the mentor ever showed up. So this is the kind of information or insight that a lot of mentors um, should know about the person they're mentoring. If you don't know, if you're mentoring someone and, and, and you haven't had the chance to um, sit down and ask a little bit more about the person's family background, uh, how God has shaped them, what's shaped their story, then those are some of the things as a mentor that you might want to consider sitting down with this person that you're mentoring and learning more about them in that area. What's their family history like? Next, mentors, they don't bring anything fundamentally new uh, to the table. They don't bring anything new that, that's not already there. Right? But rather, Paul demonstrates here, mentors help their mentees to recognize how God's already present and how God's already gifted them. Paul simply reminds Timothy here to, to rekindle, to rekindle the faith that's already in him from his grandmother and his mother. That word rekindle, in other English translations say, a fan into flame, right? Fan into flame, right? If you have a pile of twigs and it hasn't been, you know, met with a spark of a lighter yet, and you're sitting there fanning that, you can, you'll be fanning for hours and there will not be any flames. Right? Some of you just got back from the camping trip. Maybe you had a real personal encounter with that scenario. I hope not. Other English translations say revive this faith. You can't revive something if it wasn't first already alive. Revive the faith. Rekindle the faith. Fan into flame a spark, a, a gift that's already there. You don't provide that spark. God does. As a mentor, you don't provide that spark brand new. It's interesting here where Paul talks about the laying out of hands. It's not the laying out of Paul's hands that impart the gift of Timothy for the first time, but rather it's the laying out of Paul's hands that help to rekindle the gift that's already in there with him. So that's a key 
thing I want us to take away from this. Paul's not imparting anything brand new. He's just saying, by the laying on of my hands, I urge that this would rekindle the faith already in you. So here's a couple of things that we've already been gleaning from this. A mature Christian mentor recognizes how God has already been at work in a person's life and then helps to rekindle that person's faith to realign with God's purposes. You recognize how God's already been at work and then you help to rekindle that person's faith. Sometimes their faith might be struggling, and that's why it needs reviving. Good Christian mentors ask questions like, how has God already been at work in this person's life? Who are the people God has already brought to shape this person's faith and their story? How can I merely play a role in rekindling what God has already placed? Mentees or people looking for mentors, if you can find a mentor who ask these kinds of questions over your life, you're probably going to be in pretty good shape over the long haul. So that's one way in which if you're looking for a mentor, uh, look for someone who is sensitive to those things. I do want to offer a slight word of caution for, for those of us who are, are seeking to mentor or who are mentoring someone. Uh, if you are mentoring somebody, Remember that while, while you cannot be responsible for that person and for their decisions, you can be responsible to that person. You can be responsible and available to that person, right? Sure, you can influence some of their decisions. You can speak into their situation, but whatever decision they make at the end of the day, ultimately is their decision. So if the decision goes south, mentors do not beat yourself up, you are not responsible for your mentee friend, but you're responsible to them and being available to them. Just like Paul was available to Timothy in sitting with him in his pain and speaking God's call and God's purpose to Timothy. But Paul ultimately was not responsible for Timothy. Timothy is his own person. Yes, we influence each other's lives, but we also have, on a level, um, our own decision-making. And so mentors, just a word of caution, uh, don't beat yourself up if you're ever in a situation where you feel like your mentee has made the wrong decision. But let's return back to uh, our text here, right? We're, we're in the last verse of our passage here. In verse 7, we see that Paul recognizes something that needs to be addressed in Timothy. This is, uh, this is very interesting when you, when you read it carefully. Uh, Paul feels the need, for whatever reason, Paul feels the need to assure Timothy that God did not give us a spirit of cowardice. Hmm. Why would Paul do that? Some translations say a spirit of timidity or a spirit of fear. Paul needs to address this in Timothy. Paul says, but rather, he's given us a spirit of power and of love and self-discipline. As Paul's co-worker for the gospel, had the young Timothy showed signs of cowardice? Had he evidenced some fear? Did Paul ever catch a look of fear on Timothy's face when he glanced at him? 
I mean, after all, Paul was grooming Timothy to serve in a ministry and do similarly to what Paul had been doing. And what was Paul doing? Paul was traveling throughout the Gentile world, teaching the message of Christ crucified. And while he was doing this, in this calling and in this journey, Paul had been arrested. Paul had been flogged and beaten. He had been shipwrecked. Paul had been imprisoned and then imprisoned again, and then eventually even killed for spreading the message of Christ crucified. It's no wonder Paul needed to confront a spirit of cowardice or fear in Timothy. Imagine if Paul was your mentor, and he was grooming you to do what he was doing. I know I would feel pretty fearful I would feel a sense of, I can't do it. You're on your own, Paul. I think Paul would probably need to call out something in me, too. And I think I would be in a moment where, Paul, whatever you're getting your strength from, whatever you're getting your power from, please share that with me. That that's, would be my reaction to Paul. I mean, he's going around the Roman Empire, and he's being imprisoned and arrested and it, authorities like the Roman authorities were notorious for killing those who represented any alternate kingdoms, including the kingdom of God. And so Paul was running that program, and he was inviting Timothy into that program. And Timothy showed fear. Later in Paul's letter, in this letter, Paul would go on to write, Remember... Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David. That is my gospel, Paul writes, for which I suffer hardship, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained. And I think that's where Paul finds his confidence. That's what compels Paul to go to the places that he goes. So for however many times Timothy showed fear and timidness and cowardice, he probably had every reason to, but even then Paul did not see Timothy as disqualified or as um, unworthy of serving in this ministry along Paul's side. But instead, Paul reassured him that God has given him a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Paul was able to see this greater and deeper calling for Timothy when Timothy was not able to see it. And that's what makes such an effective mentor. Some of the most effective Christian mentors are the ones who challenge us the most, who are able to push the right buttons in us, maybe the buttons that God has already been preparing, and when they push that, they're able to speak power and love and to teach self-discipline into our fear and into our timidness and our cowardice. But they do this, uh, they do this not because they simply like to push people's buttons or not because they like to challenge people for the sake of challenging them. They do this out of a deep trust in Jesus and his call for his people. So good Christian mentors can be honest about um, my areas of weakness and the areas that I need growth in. 
and yet they can speak effectively into them. So followers of Jesus, are you feeling fearful? Do you ever feel cowardly or anxious or timid? Uh, Like you're not sure what's next? Are you ever unsure of um, how a way forward is possible? And that feels really scary to you? Let God's word encourage us today that following Jesus is not a journey that we can go on by ourselves because it's too painful and it's too, there's too much stacked against us. We have generational issues stacked against us. We have systemic issues stacked against us. We have personal issues stacked against us and we just can't do it by ourselves. So I encourage you, in addition to coming here on Sunday morning, in addition to you know, joining a small group, I encourage all of us to be seeking that intentional uh, one-on-one mentorship relationship, especially as we are in this relationship series right now. Um, so, and you can seek both. You can seek a mentor and a mentee. It just depends on what you sense God is placing on your heart. I have people who mentor me, and I have people who I mentor. And the two go great, hand in hand. And so I would encourage you to seek either one or the other, or possibly both. Start by praying. If you're looking for a mentor, start by praying for this person who you'd like to be mentored by. You can pray for wisdom on how to approach this person. Sometimes that's really awkward. We have all sorts of feelings of insecurity that come out when you're going to ask someone to be your mentor. You know, what if they say no? Right? That's a pretty natural feeling. A lot of times we don't know what other people are going through. So they might say no. They might not be open to it. It could be that maybe they're in, in a time of need even more than you right now. So continue to just pray for that person. But if they say yes, if you reach out and they say yes, I'm open to, to, to walking in a mentoring relationship with you. Then ask to, for a time to meet up face-to-face, in person, over lunch, over coffee. And in your first uh, meeting with this, this mentor, um, I would encourage you to establish just some basic expectations between the two of you. One of them being, uh, how, do you, how do you each define what mentoring is? What is this thing that we're doing? Let's, let's, let's define what that is. Another thing you can establish is um, how, how long do you see the mentorship relationship going on for? Is it indefinitely? Is it just a month and then we're done? A month is really short. I wouldn't encourage a month. <laughs> you know, let's shoot for a, six, a minimum of like six months, all right? And then you can email after six months. Um, so how long? Um, and then how frequently? Just some really logistical stuff, right? What if in my mind I thought, well, we were going to talk every Thursday night, but in your mind I was like, well, you never said that, and it's been three weeks now, and so, so you don't want to avoid those. So communication up front. Another thing to establish, which might be really obvious for some people, but not, not always obvious to others, um, is establishing mutual confidentiality uh, between the two of you, right? That what you share with each other stays between the two of you, unless one of you gives permission to share otherwise. Right. So those are some of the things that you would want to discuss if you were to meet up with a mentor for the first time or the second time. Now, some of you might sense that, that you've been blessed with 
some good mentors in your life. And maybe, maybe you're feeling uh, a sense that maybe God's calling me to, to mentor someone because of the ways I've been led well. Um, you know, if that's you, my encouragement, again, starting with prayer and going back to this text that we're, we're reading today, the Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 through 7, and, and go and reflect more on how Paul is so self-emptying, self-giving in his mentoring relationship towards Timothy. Paul is not, he doesn't have the agenda of just conforming Timothy to Paul's image of what Timothy should be. That's not, that's not a healthy way of mentoring someone. But it's really looking at the person and saying, what is God calling this person uh, to do? Who, how is God the network? And how can I play a role? So go back to the text and reflect on that if you're sensing an urge or uh, a call to mentor someone. If you have someone in mind, uh, pray. If you have someone who God might be leading you to mentor, pray that God would give you insight into the season of life that this person might be coming out of. And pray also that God would give you insight on how God's currently at work, what's going on in the person's life right now. And then equally important, pray for yourself. Because if, if you're mentoring someone, you gotta be either leading yourself well, or you, gotta, you need to be, uh, you're being led well by others. So uh, you can't, you know, these are just some really kind of silly examples, but you can't teach someone how to make scrambled eggs if you can't make scrambled eggs, right? You can't teach someone how to cook uh, curry noodles if you don't know how to make curry noodles. Uh, I thought of this one for, for the kids, but uh, you can't teach someone how to play Fortnite if you don't know how to play Fortnite. But then I asked Tyson, and he hates Fortnite, so that, that illustration bomb. I was trying to think of a, of a universal kind of Minnesota example, right? You can't teach someone how to, how to dig their car out of the snow if you've never dug your car out of the snow, right? And so if you're going to mentor somebody, um, watch over yourself. Make sure you're being led well first before you put yourself in a place where you have influence over another person's life. So the call of Jesus on our lives is really difficult to, to do and to discern alone. But together with mentors and mentees, we can play this reviving agent in one another's lives with God as the true source of faith. So today we've seen that Paul and Timothy demonstrate the self-giving example of Christian mentorship. Remember when I asked you to imagine if Paul was your mentor? In, in some ways, Paul kind of is. And Paul writes to, to the church in Corinth. He writes, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul writes to us, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So friends, are we ready to follow Jesus in this way with one another? Let's join me in, in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the one who leads all of us God, that you are the one who brings power and love and self-discipline. 
in the midst of our fears, in our cowardice, in our fragility. And Lord, thank you mostly that God, we don't need to journey through following Jesus by ourselves, but God, that you have uh, given us Paul and Timothy as an example of what it looks like to journey alongside other sisters and brothers who first and foremost trust you and follow you, but then who also can urge us and, and, and encourage us to do the same. God, I pray for all of us here that as you have placed on our hearts, um, for those who sense that they might benefit or might be in a time of need, that you would give them the, the confidence and the courage to reach out to, to ask if someone would, would be open to mentoring them. And Lord, for my friends who um, have received um, healthy mentoring in the past, God, I, I pray that you would give them a sense of um, a joy in, in thinking about what it looks like to mentor other people, God. Give them a sense of confidence in you that they don't have all the answers, but God, that they can just be uh, there to rekindle the faith that you have put in other people already, God. And all of this, I pray that we would be intentional the way that Paul and Timothy were so intentional and remembering and praying for each other constantly and sitting with each other's pains. God, I pray that you would put that on our hearts as we continue this series on relationships in the church. Lord, that you would move in powerful ways as we trust in you with our mentor and mentee relationships. So it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.